excited about that. It's something about fellowshipping uh, in, a, in a very private setting that speaks to my heart. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I'm looking forward to this Wednesday. So if you live in an area, live close, you have, a, you have a choice to make. You can go north to some spots in Wilmington or you can come down to the mid. Amen. <laughs> come down to the mid. I got it in there. You saw that. I got it in there. Amen. So we in the mid now. All right. Um, I want to give honor to uh, our pastor who is away at uh, Epiphany Baltimore. They are officially launching today. So that's good news that uh, today is their official launch. So all of the, the pastors that are uh, in brother and sisterhood with that church are uh, converging on that site at this time and celebrating uh, the pastor that is there at this time. Um, I do have a word for you today. Um, and th- before I get into that, I want to kind of go through my week. This has been a very uh, tough week for me. I lost a very close friend of mine that I actually hadn't seen in years. And when, I, when my wife uh, texted me and, and told me that this particular friend of mine had passed away, it was, I was shocked and I had disbelief. And uh, it's something about when someone passes away, things come into uh, uh, respect, uh, you can see things clearly. I can't think of the word, but you can see perspective. Thank you, baby. You can see things more clearly um, because death is finite. We don't come back from that. And so it kind of has given me kind of a new, I don't know, a fresh um, way of looking at things. And I think I kind of needed that. I know that's a selfish thing to say on the, uh, on the, on the cusp of someone passing away. But, you know, if, if any of us know that death is a part of life, that none of us are going to be here forever. We will be somewhere forever. And for the Christian that, that is blood bought by Jesus Christ, that forever will be spent in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I thank, um, I thank those that are doing their part um, to lay my uh, sister and friend uh, to rest. So I will continue at this time in Pastor Derek's uh, series on prayer. Um, If you've been up very early in the morning, you've known that Pastor Derek has been uh, getting up very early and praying with those who dare to wake up at the break of dawn and pray for half an hour straight every day and just be uh, at knee bone station of it. As I heard a preacher say every day, petitioning for the saints of God, for healing, um, for salvation, uh, for deliverance, 
this man is 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 laboring um, for us. And so I just want to, again, just shout out my pastor. He's a young man. Uh, He's a devout man. He's not a perfect man, but he's a man that loves God and loves his people. And so if you you found yourself in this church and you're a visitor, you found a safe place to grow. Amen. And, And if you if you choose to. This is also a place that you can lay your brick on the wall and help us build something here. Amen. All right. So that's my commercial for the church. Um, (laughs) um, So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, meet me in the book of Luke um, in chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we're going to read only four verses today. And I'm only going to have four points today. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. And it reads as such. It says this. It says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us our day. I'm sorry. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Amen. And this is the shorter, abbreviated version of this text. Amen. And so my title for this sermon today is simply Talking to Dad. Talking to Dad. Now, so usually when you hear a preacher stand up, they give you a, a, a story or uh, a funny quip or something to kind of relate to the text. And I was trying to think, I said, God, you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I had, you know, I, as you know, before uh, when I spoke, I, I spoke about Forrest Gump and I love movies. I'm a movie buff. But I, w- I couldn't find anything that was relevant to what I wanted to say today. And I, a lot of times when God speaks to me, he speaks to me in the middle of the night or, or very early in the morning. He said, you know, you don't need to think of a movie. I want you to, I want you to tell about your, your own life because there's nothing more um, authentic than the story of who you are. And so I'm going to talk about the story of me. So I grew up uh, in South Philadelphia, I lived in um, Passion Projects, a single parent home, just my mother, my brother, and my sister and I. And uh, we had it very rough. We were poor, um, not poor of love, but poor of basic necessities. We grew up in public housing. We were on public welfare. Um, and we struggled. We struggled. And then my mother, she also had mental illness. And so there were, there were some things missing. One of the most prevalent things that was missing even then and as I think back now was a father, my dad. And not having a dad as a young man, you find yourself missing a, a certain part of you. And what I mean by that, boys or girls in reflecting their mother, but boys in reflecting their father, they need a role model, somebody to emulate, somebody to kind of show them who they are. And for a young man not to have that, there were some things that were missing as I was coming up. Um, I found myself getting in, in trouble as a young man, as a teenager, whether it's drugs, selling drugs, smoking drugs, stealing, doing all types of stuff, cutting school. Later in life, you know, got in trouble with the law, wound up with a record, doing all these things that I shouldn't have done. But all because, not only because, but there was no strong male role model in my life. Amen. But also on the flip side of that, there were some positive things that came out of that. And that is that growing up in the hood, you learn about um, street, um, you learn street life. You learn how to, a, a certain survival 
um, uh, mentality that helps you kind of navigate the ins and outs of the inner city culture. So on one note, on, on one hand, um, I did very well in school. When I applied myself, you know, I would get good grades. I had a very high EQ, not IQ. I was probably a little bit smart, but I had high EQ, which is people skills. I can interact well. I could read people. I can understand certain things, which I now see as spiritual discernment. But at that time, not being blood washed in, in, in the blood of Jesus Christ, it was just EQ is what I'm going to call it. I understood things and people very well. And then on the other thing, it, it taught it, it not having a father also showed me there, there was no there was nothing blocking me from my heavenly father. There was nothing uh, getting in the way from me understanding who my heavenly father was. And so even though I didn't have an earthly father that I looked to, there were other people in my life. There were other men that would help. There were other men that I could emulate. But some of these men you may not find uh, as common role models. I found role models that were crackheads. And why would you find a role model as a crackhead? Because it's not the thing that they did. It was the wisdom that they, they would give me. They would say things like, young, young brother or young blood, don't let anybody take you off of your square, which means whenever you have your mind focused on something, stay on that track. And so, or I would be cutting school, sitting on a park bench, and someone would, you know, give me some sort of advice about you don't want to be like me, you need to go back to school. And so there was always someone or something, which I now know is God, in my life, even though I chose to do the wrong things, that kept pushing me back to the right track. Amen. So why am I saying all of this stuff? It's because many of us or many of you, including me, we have different relationships with our father, our physical father. Some have very good fathers that, that were there, loving that, that provided for us, that, that talked to us, that shaped us, that disciplined us, that encouraged us. Some of us have strained relationships. Some of us have stepfathers. Some of us have cruel men in our lives. And so whatever, whatever that did to your psyche, you have a, you, it built something in, in relation to how you think about God, whether consciously or unconsciously. You have, you have made up your mind of something about God based on your relationship with your earthly father. Amen. I don't have the psychological degree to back that up, but I've seen it. I've read it and I understand it very well. And I know that it is true. Amen. So as we get into this, I told you that I only have four points. and I want to tell you them before we start so we can move right along. My four points are this. If you're taking notes, they are prayer is private. Prayer is precise. Prayer focuses on our provider, not just our provision. And prayer protects us. Amen. Prayer is private. It's precise. It focuses on a provider, not the provision, and it protects us. Amen. First point under prayer, prayer is private. The thing we need to know about God and our relationship and communicating with God is that we have to have an attitude of intentionality. In other words, you have to be able to set aside time to talk to God. It has to be put into your schedule. It's, there is no other way around it. A lot of times we kind of go through life figuring things out on our own, making, making it make sense, adding up our budget and making it make sense, um, planning for the future. There's, now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with planning. But absence, your plans absent for, from God aren't foolproof. Amen. If you ever want to, I know you heard this before, if you ever want to make God laugh, 
just make plans and exclude him because plans will always change. So the intentionality, where did I get, get that from that, that God wants us to be intentional? In verse one, he says this. He said Jesus was praying, praying in a certain place. In other words, the disciples that were with him saw him go away to a certain place, a presupposed place to pray. That's a that's a tongue twister for you. But uh, the senior saints used to say that I'm going in my prayer closet to get on knee bone station to pray for my grandson or pray for my child. That's where I meet the Lord at. Amen. And in a church like this with a lot of millennials and me being one of the older people, we need some senior seats. So if you're over the age of 40 and you're here, please stay because we need some we need some senior saints with wisdom. I say that in jest, but I say that also because we need your wisdom. We need your insight. We need we need some to hear some of the stories of what God has done in your life. The roads that you've traveled, the mistakes that you've made, the, the victories that you've had. We need those here. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says that he went to a certain place. So in, in order to know God personally, you need to have a, a, a prayer life that's fed through private devotion, private one on one. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, your family and friends. And, you know, we, we we've been praying every morning. I'm not talking about not doing that, but it has to begin with you and him alone. Your prayer life got to be me plus him first. That's the foundation. Amen. So what does it look like in preparation to be intentional? Simply reading scripture. Now, some of you, man, reading scripture, it's not like a book. It's the, the Bible is a book full of books. Amen. And sometimes we need helps in order to understand books, the books that are located in the Bible. So it's okay to get commentaries. It's okay to get other books about books. It's okay to get topical Bibles that talk about depression, finances, anger, marriage, whatever your situation is in order to understand who God is. Sometimes I've seen people just plop it open and find something. Okay, that's good to stab it and grab it and try to get something. But we want to kind of have a a, a better approach to understanding God's word that 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 we're intentional about. See, if 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 some of you guys are are dating, if if you're after a woman, I hope the guys are going after girls and not the other way around. I'm more traditional. But if you're after a woman, you want to kind of scope her out, see what she likes, maybe ask her girlfriend, you know, what are, what's her favorite color or, you know, something about herself. You understand what I'm saying? In order to pursue her. And God wants the same thing. He wants you to scope. God, you know, I want to know more about this faith walk because I'm having trouble believing what I don't see or don't feel or don't understand. So let me go. Pastor, Pastor Derek, what do you suggest? Brother Dave, what do you suggest? Not that I know everything, but whomever, however, it begins with having a hunger and intentionality for going after the truth of God. Amen. Amen. So we want to do that. We want to we want to prepare ahead of time. And it says that Jesus Jesus, he prayed alone. Want to know why? For three reasons. He wanted to have consistent communication with God. He wanted to have clarity of his purpose. And he wanted to have closeness and unity of the spirit with God. Amen. Uh, In addition to Forrest Gump, one of my other favorite movies is Superman. I love Superman. The first one and the second one. I was just thinking about the second movie. Right. So the second movie. And I know this was came out years and years, probably in the early 80s. Superman in the second movie, he goes back to the fortress of solitude, the place where he meets his father. And he, he petitions his father in a certain way because he's, he's fallen in love with this woman, Lois Lane. 
And Lois Lane is like his everything. And he goes to his father and he says this. He says something to the, to, to the fact of, you know what? You know, this thing on me to be protector of mankind and to solve all mankind's issue is too, is too much for me. I, I, don't wanna, I just want to be normal. I just want to be human. And after going back and forth with uh, Jael, I think his name was, going, Jarrell, thank you, Superman fan, I should know that, Jarrell, going back and forth with Jarrell, he finally says, you know what, I'm going to give you a wish. And he strips of Superman of his powers. And later in the movie, he, he gets, he's sitting at a restaurant and he's talking and somebody's disrespecting Lois. And he's, of course, he's a gentleman, he's, he's uh, standing up for her honor. And he's like, you know, you're not going to talk to my woman like that, this and that. And next thing you know, the dude just hauls off and punches Superman in the nose, and his nose begins to leak. And for the first time, he's in touch with his humanity <laughs> because he, he thought he wanted one thing, but when he got it, he saw, he saw that he really didn't want that. And a couple of other circumstances where he saw the world falling apart, crimes happening, all of this stuff was happening because there was no Superman. So he goes back to the father, back to the fortress of solitude, the place of one on one with God. And he prays and he says again, you know what? I messed up. How many of you know sometimes we we mess up and we got to go back to God when we thought we wanted one thing and we go back and get it right again? Because sometimes God gives us the foolish thing that we wanted in the first place just to show us that we didn't really want it in the first place. So he goes back and he and he gives. Um. He gives Superman his power through, through a series of events. But this time, this time, he said, I have, I'm going to give it back to you. But in essence, and I forget how they portrayed it, Superman's father had to go into Superman and he would never be able to connect with his father again. Like it's almost like he had to give him his, his powers back in order for him to be saved. The same thing happened with you. In order for you to be saved, God had to enter your life. Jesus Christ had to save you in order for you to have power over sin, power over affliction, power over depression, power over all of the things that hold you back from being who God chose you to be. Amen. God had to step in and do that despite our foolish choices. Every day he does that for us. Amen. So the, the still in the. While we pray private, it says this. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. You know what I see in this text? That there ought to be something about your prayer life that other people want to emulate. It ought to be something in you that when things are going awry and their life and in your life, you and another person could be going through the same exact thing. But it's something about you that's centered, that you still have joy despite everybody got pink slips and we laid off and you smiling and singing praise music because, you know, God got you. You know that he had you in the beginning and he's going to have you to the end. Amen. Amen. But you but, but because you have a great prayer life, you're always connected with the father. There's never a disconnect. The only time Jesus was disconnected from the father was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that was for you and I. When he had when he bared the brunt of hell and damnation and fury and rage from God, the father, the same punishment that you and I deserved, But he rightly took instead of us. Amen. Second point, prayer is precise. The Bible says, Jesus said, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be holy. Uh, there are devotion times that we have in our in our household, and uh, 
my wife will, or, or will correct our kids because they'll go right into prayer. And so can you help us with our schoolwork? And, and then my wife was, who, who are you talking to? She'll say, who are you t- to stop them and say, oh, oh, God, Father, will you, you know, because sometimes they, they're so eager to get into prayer or stay up from, from going to bed that they just want to they just want to go into praying. But you need to know who are we talking to? Who is this God? Who is this Lord? Because the word of God assumes that we're always praying. In first in, in first Thessalonians five sixteen and 18, it says this. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. So here's the thing. We're always praying. We, the Bible assumes that we're always praying. And, and again, prayer life always concludes with a comma, never a period. I say that all the time because our conversation stops, but our communication, the line of communication never ends. It's always a to be continued. Like, what's our favorite show, babe, that we watch? Uh, we watch uh, the guy that sells the cocaine and the drug. Hey, listen, it's a good show. Uh, yes, she does. Uh, uh, I can't even think of it. Snowfall. If everybody sees Snowfall, every week is a cliffhanger. Every week is it's crazy. It's a great show. It's about drug life. I'm not there anymore, but I, it, I reminisce, and it's good acting. But there's, there's, there's always a continue. It's always next week I'm waiting for more. I'm waiting to see how this ends. I'm waiting to see what the next step is. I'm waiting to see what you say next, God. I'm waiting to see what the plan is next. There's an anticipation that God is always up to something in your life. And I got to stay t- plugged in to understand my purpose and my role and what he's doing. It, it's just it, it. Here's the thing about our Christian walk. It doesn't work any other way. And if you think so, you're only fooling yourself. If you can, if you think you can go through life day to day and ignore God, not have a conversation, not have a time where you're confessing sins, where you're asking for forgiveness for the things that you thought, said, spoken or done. Amen. Then. I got to question your salvation. I'm not judging you, but I got to question if, again, if I got a relationship with my family, my boy, my friend, my sisters, and I don't speak to them, how can I say we? How can I say I love you? How can I say we close if we never speak? You know, it just doesn't happen like that. Amen. And here's the thing: there has to be a clear. There has to be a clear delineation between who when we talk about who we're talking to, between talking to our friends and talking to a God that's holy, sanctified and set apart. We can't come to God any old kind of way. And and, in the olden days, and I'm dating myself, you know, when when you walked into a building, men had to take their hats off. Gentlemen will open doors for ladies. Uh, uh, when you see a guy and a girl walking down the street, the guy would stand on the outside closest to traffic and the girl would be on the inside. There are certain things that, that we do in culture that show reverence for who we with. Same thing is true for our Heavenly Father. When, we, when you come to God, you can't come any old kind of way. See, I had three kids. Can't none of my kids call, say, hey, Dave, what's going on? See, you can't call me by my name. In, in, in Hebrew culture, God's name was YHWH. It had no vowels in Hebrew culture. It, they, they intentionally wanted it unpronounceable. Because when you come to me, you got to come correct. You know, you got to come. I am Lord. Just call me Lord. My kids, just call me Dad. See, Dave is my name, right? Dave is my name, but Dad is, is my title. 
Yahweh is his name, but but Lord is his title. Amen. You see, can you see the difference? So when we come to our Lord, we got to come to him with reverence. You know, we don't come to him like a pop. Now, here's the thing. God does call us friends. I want I want to be very clear about what I'm saying. Even if if I'm I feel as though I have a close relationship with God where I'm saying, hey, pop, I'm just checking in. I love you. I want and that's the way you communicate. That's fine. But there's still an attitude of reverence when you say that. Amen. When it's not this familiarity like you, my young boy down the street, and we just chop it up and da da da. No, because that's not God. That's your boy. And so, in the same way you reverence God that way, is the same way uh, it, it dictates your relationship and your understanding of His who He is. It means you have a limited grasp and understanding of the greatness and fullness of God and and all His vastness and all of His. Here's the thing. God's word, we, we have a portion of it. This, even this Bible doesn't encompass everything there is to know about God. Amen? I want you to know, if, if you think this is all inclusive, this is his revealed word. But there's so much more that's unimaginable about God that we won't even know until we reach glory. Amen? So when, when you pray, understand that you're talking to a God that demands reverence. Amen? To say God's name is hallowed means holy. The word in the Greek means uh, is hazageo or hagios, which literally means that he's set apart. Amen. He's set apart. Now, here's the thing about this, because I got to give you I got to give you the flip side, because one thing about we don't heal as a people unless we understand and unwrap some of our stinking thinking and some of the jacked up ways that we think about stuff. So here's the example. We have we might have a string of bad luck in our life. I don't have no job. I don't have no man or woman, whatever your case is. You know, my family feels like they stabbed me in my back. I don't have a lot of things going in that area. My sickness is kind of poor. I'm misunderstood. You know, you know, I've just got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. You know, where are you, God? And out of that, you may even talk to God a little bit greasy. Can I can I talk a little Can I talk to you one on one like we in the living room? Sometimes we might talk to God a little bit greasy. And so in the Bible, there's a man that talked to God greasy a little bit. And you want to know who he was? His name was Job. Job with all the, all of his affliction. You remember Job? All of he first of all, all of his kids passed. All of his uh, livestock, which was the equivalent of his bank account, was depleted. He have, he's had nothing. His physical health, pussy boils coming out of his skin. You understand? His wife, his wife got to the point where she said, you need to just cuss God and die. Because I don't know what you did. But And for the longest time, for the longest, longest time, Job fought back. And Job fought back. Um, not saying anything negative about God. I do with my phone. He, he fought back, not saying anything negative about John, uh, Joe, uh, God. <laughs> Let me find. My, see, I don't have my glasses on. As, as I get older, I don't know what it is. I think they're making the text in these books a little bit smaller. So I got to bring my eyeballs with me. But now that I have them, I'm going to be able to find uh, Job 38. Because when we have stinking thinking, when we talk to God greasy, (laughs) sometimes God has a response for us. And it's found in Psalms 38. Listen to what the Lord says. He said, (laughs) 
verse one. It says, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me with your hot displeasure for your arrows pierce me deeply. This isn't this isn't it. Here it is. This is what I want to read. There we go. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind and he said this. Who is the one who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimension? Certainly, you know. Who stretched the measuring line across it? What supports its foundation? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I made the clouds in its garments and total darkness its blanket, when I determined its boundaries and put it put its bars and doors in place. When I declared you are you may come this far, but no further. Your proud waves stop here. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning or assigned the dawn in its place? So when it may cease the edge of the earth and shake the wicked out of it, the earth is changed as clay is by a seal. Its heels stand out like the folds of a garment. Light is is wind withheld from the wicked and the arm raised in in violence is broken. Have you traveled to the sources of the sea or walked in the depths of the ocean? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. Where is is the road to the home of light? Do you know where darkness lives? So can you lead it back to its border? Are you familiar with the path to his home? Do you know Were you already born? You've lived so long. Have you entered a place where the snow is stored? Have you seen the storehouses of hell, which I hold in reserve for times of trouble, for the day of warfare and battle? What roads leads to the place where light is dispersed? Where is the source of east wind that spread across the earth? Who cuts a channel for the flooding rain or clears the way for the lightning to bring the rain in unhibited land? Or on desert with no human life to satisfy the parched wasteland and cause the grass to sprout? Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the raindrops of dew? Whose womb did the ice come from? Who gave birth to the frost of heaven where waters become the heart of heart of stone and the surface surface of watery depths is frozen? Can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades or loosen the belt of Orion? Can you bring out the constellations in their season and lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you impose in its authority on earth so that a flood of water covers you? Can you send out lightning bolts? And they go. Do you do they report to you? Here we go. Who put wisdom in the heart or gave the mind understanding? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds or who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the dust hardens like metal and the clouds of dirt stick together? Can you hunt prey for the lioness and satisfy the the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens and lie in wait with their liars? Who provides the raven's food when it cries young, when it cries out for God and it lacks food? Amen. Amen. So sometimes when we get in our way, when we talk back, when we don't understand what God is doing in our life, think about it. Think of God. Think about it. If God told you off, just like he told told Job, who do you think you are? I'm God. And whatever I allow in your life is good. 
If I allowed it, it's good. And if you don't know the reasons, it's because you don't talk to me. Amen. If you think if you think this is because I hate you, you don't know my heart for you. I am love. There's there's no evil in me. Amen. So if you have a misguided, misunderstanding interpretation of God's love, that's not God. That's you and your lack of communication, your lack of studying, your lack of 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 humility. Amen. Amen. I took my time to read that because sometimes we need to understand that God is merciful. He never gives us what we truly deserve. What he gives us is more grace to get it right. And grace is just another word for time. It's giving you time to get right, giving you time to learn the lesson, giving you time to submit to the process. Amen. But here's the thing. You don't know the, the day nor the hour. What, whether when he'll return or when it's your last day. So don't waste time thinking that you have time because we don't know. None of us do. Amen. Prayer helps us to regain focus on what's really important. Don't be surprised if, if God answers in a way that's antithetical to the way that you thought it was going to go. You already got it figured out. and you, What you really want is a rubber stamp on what you've already figured out in your mind. And God ain't in the business of rubber stamping your program. It's just not it don't work like that. Again, we got to we got to shake up. My, my, my goal here this morning is to rattle your cage a little bit. If you've had stinking thinking, rattle my cage when I have stinking thinking in order to connect with God that will regulate our mind. And the old church that say God is the mind regulator. Amen. Regulators roll out. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the Bible says that God is good. You want to know why? Why I know that? If I look in Jeremiah 29, we all know this. He's, and the word of God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The problem with many of us that don't converse with God, we don't have hope. We think our circumstances is the end of the line, end of the line rather than a, a, a speed bump. You know, we don't have hope because we don't communicate with God. We don't we don't say, God, I am confused. I don't know why you allowed this. I'm scared. I'm upset. God can handle that type of prayer because you're going to him with it. And maybe and God speaks at many different times, many different intervals, many different ways. It could be in the middle of the night. It could be through a random conversation. It could be somewhat in, a, in an audible voice where it's in your head, but it's like the words are coming to you audibly, if you understand what I'm saying. But God always answers us when we pray, especially when we pray his word. Amen. It's the compass in which we use to, in order to communicate. It's almost like we get these, uh, we get these translations. Uh, what's the thing when you want to learn Spanish? Uh, Rosetta Stone, right? This is the Rosetta Stone of communicating with God. You want to know his language, read his book. Here's, a, here's, here's something that I don't know if, if, if people have told you before. If you ever want to know the heart of God, and, I, and I, I dare you to try it. If you ever want to know the heart of God, go to the New Testament. And if you have one of those Bibles that just have Jesus's words in red, just go and just read the red. Take, take some time and just read, go through the page, skip all of the, the words and read what God is saying, what Jesus is saying, it'll give you a, a up close and personal understanding of Jesus' heart for you. 
Amen. Try it sometime. That's my challenge to you. Amen. Just going to throw that in for free. Uh, <laughs> amen. So. Third point. Prayer focuses on the provider, not just the provision. Uh, the Bible says your kingdom come. Amen. So the kingdom come is really it's it's our part in bringing about God's kingdom. In other words, we're all we all have a gifts. We all have talents. We all have our understanding of how God is relating to us as he relates to us personally. Our focus and job is to relate that to other people, to show that in love to other people. When you walk into a church and they're welcoming and loving and hospitable to you, that's showing the kingdom of God. When we go out into the the community and we have days like community groups, I'm sorry, days like community groups. When we have community day and we're giving out book bags and free food and we're – we have different vendors with with jobs and and things of that nature. We're showing the love of God. We're bringing about His kingdom. Amen. We're, we're we are to be mirrors of the love that God wants to reflect. As as we receive God, we reflect that to other people. That's bringing about God's kingdom. There's a, there's another view of God's kingdom that's uh, uh, eschatological, if that's a word. Though the stu- study of eschatology is the study of final things, the end times. And so that we, we know that God is going to come one day. You know, we, we can look in the book of Revelations and all of the different things that are going to proceed is coming. And it's re- so here's the thing. You want to be careful because we can't coax God into coming because there are some events that have to take place first. And I don't want to. There's no way. And I know we do it sometimes. We try to twist God's arm, say, no, God, come, come now. Come now, Lord Jesus. No, you don't want him to come now. You want you want, especially if you have some loved ones that don't know Jesus yet, you want them to take his time so you can kind of be dispatched and do what you're supposed to do. Amen. He's going to come, but you'll know it way in advance. It won't be it won't be hidden. It won't be a big secret when he comes. Amen. And Matthew, uh, let's see, it's in Matthew 24. Uh Verse 29, I think it is. Let me just check there. Matthew 24, 29, is it? Don't fail me now. It says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of heaven will be shaken. The sign of the son of man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the other. Amen. Now to learn this. okay, amen. And so all of these things got to happen first. Amen. So God has already told you he ain't to give you the precise day. It's going to be October 2nd, 2055. He gonna tell you that. But you're going to know you'll you'll know the signs. Amen. So that should be that should be good enough. Amen. There was a there was a preacher on the radio a couple of times and he would always predict, you know, when he was coming to the day. And every time, of course, he was wrong. 
They were so foolish. huh? And there were a lot of people that was following. That's why you got to be careful not to follow false prophets. A lot of people, you know, uh, you know, quitting their jobs and, you know, doing all kinds of stupid. They're like, look, tomorrow, the end of the world, you know, (laughs) what I'm going to do. I'm just act like a nut. And then the next day they had to apply for their job again and (laughs) and and apologize for cussing folk out and all that because they just knew it was over. You know, but you Bible says you will not know the day. The only one that knows that is God, the father. Angels don't know, you know, and God considers us a little bit lower than the angels. So they above us and they have no idea when he coming back. Amen. So uh, verse three, it says, give us this day our daily our daily bread. And when we look at this verse, it just merely means that we, we depend on God for our daily sustenance. Amen. Everything that we stand in need of. So here's the thing that we got to keep in mind. We don't have to worry about. We don't hear, hear what I'm saying when I say this. We don't have to worry about the future. But the emphasis is on the word worry. You could be concerned about it. You can make some sort of plan as long as you're praying with God about it. But we don't we never have to worry about tomorrow. Because if we think about it, look at the children of Israel when they were kind of walking in the wilderness and God provided manna each day. Did anybody remember what happened when they tried to store up the manna and they was like, oh, man, all this bread, let me grab some for tomorrow. Man, that stuff just rotted. You know, he was like, what are, we, what are you doing? The, the mere fact that you're trying to do that defeats the purpose of I'm trying to show you that I'm sustaining you. <laughs> I'm sustaining you. You didn't because you gather it. I, I'm the one made it. So if I gave it to you today, guess what? I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. I just need you to get right. I need you to stay focused. See, y'all so busy turning around and worshiping golden calves and doing all this other stuff, walking in circles all this time instead of going on the straight line. And that'll preach. There are a lot of us in here that go in circles and God has told us something very distinct to do. And when we trying to store up things that God say, I, I don't want you doing that. I don't want you investing in that stock. I don't want you working in that job. I want you working in your purpose. Don't worry about how it's going, how you're going to pay your bills. There are certain things that God wants us in position to do based on obedience, based on following what he says. And that's where he'll add the blessing. That's where he'll, he'll add resources to provide for you. You know, give us this day our daily bread. The other part of that is not only what we receive of, from God, because if we're praying, we want to say, God, how do you want me to use my gifts today to bring about glory to you? Amen. It's not about just receiving. God, give me what I need. Give me what I need. Like I'm just getting fat. I got what I need. I got my food, got my job, got my car, got my bills paid. Am I running late? Got Maybe I'm running late. Got my bills paid. They're coming down early. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not just about that. Amen. When we depend on God, our, ant- our uh, anxieties dissipate. You know, we give everything over to God. And in, in, in uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says this. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Jesus Christ. I'm going to rush and finish my fourth point. Amen. The fourth point is this. Prayer protects us. Look at verse 4. It says this. And forgive us of our sins as we also forgive uh, everyone who is in debt to us. And when I say protects us, prayer guards our hearts against 
uh, self-righteous anger towards other people. So when we forgive other people, we let them off the hook. Amen. You know, we want to we want to guard ourselves against having a self-righteous attitude where we can hold people in prisoner based on our unforgiving spirit. It feels good to hold to hold somebody hostage in unforgiveness. If we be honest, you know, they did me wrong. I don't mess with them no more. I'm not speaking to them. I ain't going over their house. I'm not when I see them, I'm not going to say nothing. Or if she speaks first, I say hi. But that's it. You know, that sort of thing. You know, the problem is that sometimes when you kind of when you think that the bars in front of you, are you looking at them in the prison of of your unforgiveness you're actually the one that's behind the bars and they're free to roam about the cabin amen you're looking at the bars like man i got them locked up you're the one enclosed if you if you take a, a step back so forgive people forgiving others frees you up i'm gonna say that again forgiving others frees you up you're not shackled by kind of having this contract in your mind that uh, you, you're still in the prison of, of my unforgiveness. I don't mess with you. But, you. but you're missing out on the blessed conversation, the, the understanding why they may or may not have hurt you intentionally, them actually understanding what the issue is in the first place. But if you have this bitterness built up where you don't even communicate, you're the one in prison because they just they doing their thing. You're, you know, twisting in the bed at night and turning your pillow over and angry. You know, forgiveness frees you up. You know what forgiveness also does? It frees you up from the judgment of God. In Matthew 6, 14, it says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't know any other way to say that. That's the word of God. So now not only have you alienated yourself for someone that may or may not know that they've done something to you. Now, when God looks at you now, here's the thing, you know, God, God forgives us. And God, you know, when we when we repent of our sins, there is forgiveness in that. But there's still an alienation because there's a blockage because God. Okay, God the Father cannot be around sin. That's why we know that Jesus Christ came. But there's a breakdown in the relationship of chain is that we got to keep going back into the fountain of forgiveness. Say, God, forgive me for this. And God's saying, I will. But could you go to your brother or sister first? Because it's making, making it hard, not hard, but it's making it difficult for you to see that there's a breakdown where you could be bringing your brother or sister close to me. You've alienated them. And for that, that that's another offense. There's another offense because I'm as Jesus, I'm going to forgive you. But because you've held your brother or sister back and you here's the thing. You may be the only Jesus Christ that they know in their life. You may be the only rendition of what church looks like, of what Jesus looks like and what God looks like. But because you are so angry. They can't get to the father because you haven't let them out of prison. Amen. You got to release people. Amen. So I'm going I'm going to land the plane here. We have to pray in private, be precise in whom we're speaking to. In other other words, we want to have reverence for God. We're not just talking to anybody. We're talking to our heavenly father. 
And we need to have reverence not only in who we speak into, but what we're actually saying. And we have to understand that he is the one who provides everything and protects us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And he reminds us to stay humble before him. He reminds us that it's not by our strength or by our ingenuity or by our brilliance that we're saved, but only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus died so that the wrath of judgment that you and I deserved is already paid for, let others off the hook. Confess sin. Give way for reconciliation in your lives and watch God move. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God. Our-